And we're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos Laker Fast Break. Game source and inside sports fantasy football. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. And if you can, please, 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 please give us that five-star review on whatever platform that you can able to be voting on. So you can go ahead and give us that review. It really helps us out and also allows basketball fans from all over to check us out right here at the Lakers Fast Break. And if you do, we truly appreciate it. If you have any comments or questions, please, you can always send it to us at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter or send us an email, LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com. Well, it's been a great month of April. Uh, you know, just so much draft coverage right here on the Lakers Fast Break. I'm so glad I made, uh, you know, the, made the call just, you know, I felt like doing something more. Uh, expanding my reach as far as the shows are concerned, just focusing on one certain aspect of the NBA. Wanted to focus on some others along with what we do as far as updating you and what's going on with the Lakers. And I'm so glad I've gotten to talk to the Barlows from the NBA Draft Junkies. I'm so glad I got to talk to Stone Hansen, who you heard recently as well uh, from DraftSide.com. And I'm also glad to speak to my next guest, He's been a tremendous guest each and every time he's been on the show and also had to, has had to deal with my picks for two rounds on the NBA mock draft as well. It's a good man indeed. You want to go ahead and check out his work on thestepian.com. And also he works for a lot of great stuff going on at Perspective Insight. It's Michael Weisenberg. And Michael, thanks for stopping back on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's been a great time. And there's nothing wrong with your picks, you know. <laughs> Sure. Nothing wrong at all. You can actually see it on our YouTube page when you go to the the video, especially the first round. The looks that were made by these guys, you know, it says it all. It's okay. It was, it was, it was a good time. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a great time indeed. The second round, though, I feel much better about it because I know I stole a Make couple of picks from Rafael. Yeah. 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 So it's hard. I think it's harder the second round, personally. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it, so few players land in the second round, like as far as making a career or like staying on a roster. So yeah, it's definitely pretty tough to pick like those few guys. If you're in a first rounder, you probably are going to have like at least a few chances to stay around and a lot more of those guys hit. I, I feel like we were just all like having a set of darts and we we're like throwing it at dart board yeah. right there and just seeing what sticks. You, sir, just made a fantastic metaphor for the NBA draft in general. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much is the case. Speaking of the NBA draft, it's actually now being widely reported that the NBA draft, as we expected, and I think you and I talked about this briefly uh, the first time we met, as far as the NBA most likely would not be taking place in June. And I think that's something yeah. you and I both expected. I think it is being moved back now to either August or September, which is giving a sign that the NBA is really going to come back in some sort of fashion as far as finishing a season, uh, whether they're going to be playing at Disney World, Bahamas, or in Las Vegas. My money's still on Las Vegas because just the number of games you could play simultaneously, it would work out a lot better. Uh, I'm not sure how many on the uh, Disney World Sports Complex, but uh, again, that's up for speculation. I think that August and September or September is a good timeline for an NBA draft because they'll probably get a season coming up maybe in November-ish, maybe December, starting off the new season. 
So that's a good time frame for also a lot of these teams to recover and be able to go ahead and plan out for the draft. What are your thoughts about the NBA draft being moved to a possible August or September start date? I think it's just something you have to do right now. I think even with the current like landscape, even if you cancel the season, then it is just something that is like a, a must at this point. But yeah, I just think it's something you have to do at this point. And um, it's going to be like uh, just something where it, it has to be as soon as the season's over. And then you, you just have to kind of figure out where we go from here. But at the same time, yeah, I, I just think that it's something you have to do. And um, the teams have to have an ability to evaluate these guys and kind of have more of a some eyes on them and, and just more of a process. It is more of a process. And yeah. that's one of the things that, that you guys have a chance to do you and, and the Barlow's and Stone Hansen, but there's also scouting teams. I mean, you're familiar with, with the size of these teams as far as from a scouting perspective and on a normal given NBA year, how many people are working for an NBA team scouting department, maybe 10, 20, Give it, give a kind of perspective for that for everybody out there. I think it really depends. I know there aren't tons of guys that actually go on the road, but then you'll have, you know, video people working and just other executives and people in the, the fold and then possibly consultants. So, yeah, there's definitely a team that, that goes into it. And right now, I think a lot of NBA teams are focusing on free agency in the draft when uh, they have all this downtime. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, there's, there's a whole bunch of video staff. I mean, those video coordinators who set up everything for the teams as far as running plays or looking at defenses, they're also looking at those uh, potential first and second round candidates and, and lining those uh, videos up for the scouting staff. So that's truly important what they do. And, of course, like you said, the scouting staff, whether they're, they're home-based or they're going out to all different points of the world, it's, it's quite a job to go ahead and, you know, take a look and see you know, who you're going to go ahead and invest potentially millions of dollars in and in something that it needs to be taken seriously by all these NBA teams. Yeah, for sure. And that's why they try and get as much intel and background information on all these players and then, you know, just watch tons of video, watch tons of games of guys that you, you, you get an idea of who you like in the draft. And then you just try and do as much background research on them as possible. And I, I think a lot of draft people right now are kind of getting more into that and uh, maybe even looking at players they wouldn't have had a chance to look at with, uh, you know, games going on. And, and th there's really a, a chance to kind of go back over quite a bit at this point. There is quite a bit to go over right now as far as previous footage or whatnot and you and there's still no uh timetable or even been announcement though of a you know, nba combine or anything of that nature and that still to me is kind of worrisome because you want to get the full measurements of these kids i think you're not going to see them in action very much i don't think you're going to be able to see that this year or anything like that but i'd still like to see the point where either the medicals that are given out to some teams depending on which agents want to go where or the the measurements most likely I think is what everybody seems yeah. to go ahead and focus on and 
uh, and also how high do they jump, what's their vertical, what's their speed, things of that nature. Those things are, are I think are still important to the league. And I'm not sure if there's going to be a combine where you're going to get exact measurements and those type of numbers for these players. I'm hoping there will be, but you haven't heard anything yet on that, have you? I don't think there's been anything definite on their being a combine at this point, but like I, I'm almost certain the Chicago combine will be canceled, but you know, that just kind of goes without saying, but I think that they're talking about possibly doing like remote combines or like, you know, having certain number of people at a time. I doubt they would do games, but you know, maybe agencies and all these different people will do something to kind of release like measurements or, athleticism numbers and things along those lines. Like you just kind of wonder if players are, because I, I think that as soon as the season ends, like players usually train for the combine mm-hmm. and, you know, you kind of make sure you know the best way to do a four-way agility, lane agility and stuff like that and work on your vertical, work on your sprint. I, I'm wondering if, like how that, would really work. But at the same time, I, I think teams will get measurements one way or another. Just the public might not get them. <laughs> Being pretty much a part of the public, I, I like, yeah, I, I love getting those combine measurements and getting those athleticism results. Like just there, there's something to kind of use as like a gauge. And, um, you know, like can Andre Drummond really not touch 12 feet? Like y- you Get, get like kind of around there. And uh, the, the, sometimes it's a difference when you have, uh, you know, two players that are around the same level in your evaluation. And sometimes those measurements, if one is substantially has a longer reach yeah. and has a higher vertical, that can make all the difference for you guys. Oh, yeah. Well, probably not all the difference, but it certainly is a factor. And, and when you notice, like, I'll give the, the last, let's look at the last dance. You have the bulls. They weren't necessarily like the tallest guys at their position. Like obviously Michael Jordan was taller than the average shooting guard. Scottie Pippen was taller than the average small forward. And then Dennis Rodman is maybe a little shorter than the average power forward. But they all had like plus five, six, eight wingspans. Like Dennis Rodman was definitely long. Scottie Pippen was crazy long. And then Michael Jordan had like, I think somewhere in the 6'10 to 6'11 wingspan range. So, and, and then you you look at most like great players and they're usually pretty long. So having a good basketball body is definitely important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I 
I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. Once again, I'm talking to Michael Weisenberg from thestepian.com. you got to check out his work there and also Perspective Insight. I wanted to ask you real quick about these players. You know, they're making life-changing decisions on many occasions. Uh, they're, you know, they're they're testing the waters. Some are not getting an agent. Some are, and that's what I wanted to talk to you about. You know, these players who are most likely testing waters, and what of those that have already gotten an agent? I mean, some of them you just see and and they declare for the NBA draft, and they're just testing the waters. And you think, good move, just to get an evaluation from teams where they stand. They haven't gotten an agent. They've been smart about it because they're not sure where they stand. They see those NBA mock drafts that have been put out by you, Stone, uh, the Barlows, and whoever that's out there, and they see that, okay, maybe their fall here. That's not as high as that they would like. So they gauge with the NBA teams. And then NBA teams give them some feedback. And so, you know, they're going, hmm, maybe isn't the right thing for me. I'll head back to college. But then there are those who right away, I don't know whether it's people in their ear or or what have you. They'll just go ahead, they declare, and boom, they've got an agent right away. So I want to hear your thoughts on, on the ones for this year's draft because we've got a lot of people, I think partly because of the pandemic, that have declared for the NBA draft. I want to hear your thoughts on players that maybe are not making the right choice that have already committed and already put two feet into those draft waters. I have a different kind of way of looking at it as well. Like I, I think that, well, for the most part, you know, you have 205 guys that declared. You are probably going to see at least half of those players go back to school or like just take their names out if they're European. But it's, I, I'm not sure it's like a terrible option for everybody. And some of them, it, maybe it's just a good option to go and make money playing basketball like or doing something else, even if they don't get drafted into the NBA. Like you figure of these 205 players, they say only 60 get drafted. Well, that's not even necessarily true because usually like 12 to 15 seniors will get drafted. So probably only like 45 to 48 are going to get drafted. Mm-hmm. But some of them, it, maybe it's a good option for them to like they're just as high as they're going to get. As nice as it is to have that education, if you plan to play basketball for a few years, like, you know, you might as well strike while the iron's hot. So, yeah, there are going to be just tons of guys who I feel are testing the waters now. And then some who just have decided the college isn't for them anymore. And, yeah, that's just kind of the way it works. As far as somebody who's hired an agent or anything like that, like, I, I – I, I kind of don't really want to like throw anybody under the bus and like for a decision that is like definitely theirs. And yeah, like Jeff Goodman had an article that just came out on uh, watch stadium where he basically talked to NBA executives and like gives his kind of breakdown on, on that. And uh, maybe it's something that, you know, I'm sure it's something that players will glance over and uh, then I, I like the ultimate hope is that whatever information they get from the uh, 
you know, early entry committee, like whatever reports they get there or, or tell them what they need to work on and, and kind of give them an idea of what their range is. And then they can make the decision from there. Like last year, Peyton Pritchard entered. He did a few workouts for teams. That, that's the major difference this year. You're not going to be able to do that. So, yeah, I, I think once June 3rd rolls around, we're going to see like a significant drop off of the number of uh, players who had declared early. And uh, the way the current system set up, I, like, I, I think it, it's good to just get as much information as possible. And it, it kind of almost encourages guys to enter their name into the draft at this point. But I think a lot of them end up going back to school. Well, I don't blame you in the case of Peyton Pritchard. It certainly worked out well for him. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just tremendous year at Oregon. And you don't. I don't think he falls or rises much uh, than what he was at this point last year. He's going to be probably somewhere in the second round. I mean, I picked him. So, <laughs> well, last year, like he he had averaged like twelve point nine points a game. He he had a great end to the season. But I, I if he had declared, I like I don't think he gets drafted. And yeah. then this year he's going to. I think like I like where you picked him. So yeah, he would. He would have been my favorite pick regardless, but he was definitely my favorite pick in the draft. <laughs> well, I had a feeling you were going to be picking him very soon if I didn't. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I was making sure Peyton was going to be off the board. There you go. Because there you go. He, had, he had a fantastic year. And um, a lot of people compare him to like TJ McConnell. And I, it just seems like every time I, – because I, I, I've got to see Peyton since he was uh, – the first time I saw him was he was a high school sophomore and played at the Nike Hoop Summit and went up against Tyus Jones, who was the top point guard in his class at the time, or at least among the top point guards. And when he started that game, he was like the best player on the floor. Like he was he just hit a few shots, made some great passes. And people were like, who is this kid? And then um, he came back the next year. And then by senior year, he was on Team USA, and I got to see him play at a few other uh, places as well. And it just seems like he always kind of worked his way up to whatever the competition was, never really backed down, uh, was always able to make shots. It, he's a great ball handler. So, yeah, this year he was just – he was fantastic. And, like, the Ducks would have been a mediocre team without him. And Absolutely. they were one of the best teams in the nation with him. Yeah, he, he definitely uh, deserved all the accolades, had a great season. I expect him to be an NBA contributor, uh, you know, someone off the bench, like you said, TJ McConnell in that framework, maybe even like what we talked about here on the Lakers with Alex Caruso, just that type of individual coming off the bench that can do a little bit of everything for you. I, I think that's what he can ultimately end up being. One of the things I wanted to ask you, so while I've got you here is, these mock drafts are all over the place and we've seen so many and I've talked about so many and it, when it comes to these mock drafts, they're just, you know, because we're in the middle of a pandemic, we have more time to go ahead and read them. Obviously there's more time to construct them, but as long as they're being updated and I see this from several outlets, there's players that are just, they're rising a lot and they're falling a lot. And my question to you is this, because this is kind of strange, is when there's no action being played, when there's no combines out there, how are these players rising and falling in these projections, sometimes in a dramatical case? 
I think that's what a mock draft kind of is. Like the, the, the simple answer is that that like a mock draft and even like these high school rankings, like I, I think sometimes they'll kind of drop a guy down just to have him rise up again. And that, that's just kind of what a lot of these rankings are. But my what a possible explanation would be that you're just getting as much information as you have access to. And once you get more information, once you're you're able to see these guys a little bit more, maybe you weren't watching that guy, or maybe you you know you watched him a little bit more and you just changed your opinion. So that I, I think a lot of it has to do with the intel you get and just things along those lines and just watching more film. You're you you're only if you're one person and you know you're making a mock draft, you're only able to watch so much. And you usually you need to sometimes rely on other people's opinions. I, I'm just saying for like major draft sites, you need to rely on your intel. And uh, I think th those are kind of um, the gauges that people use uh, to move people up and down their board. So I think even with games not being played, you're always getting new information. And these guys are likely getting this new information and, and making the changes based on that. Now, is there anybody that has made a dramatic rise since the beginning of the year for you as a player that's headed to the 2020 draft? Because we're talking about a draft that is, and it's as everybody has said this out there, it's not eye-opening by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it's one of those on, it's not an on year, it's an off year. I'd probably say it's probably the best way to say it is that, uh, something a year that there you're going to find a lot of good players but nobody stands out right now but is there anyone that is is moved up on in your eyes in recent months that that you feel is is uh, taking the next step as far as evaluation is concerned yeah and the, the great point using the word evaluation because sometimes you evaluate a player and you may be off and you know you you see a guy in high school and you think he can only do these kind of things. And then it, he gets that next level and you're like, wow, he can do a little bit more and, and, and vice versa. Like, you know, you see a player, you think he'll translate this way and maybe he has a lot more to work on. And one of the players who did that and moved up for me definitely is on Yeko Kongu. Started the year, I'd seen him like a bit at Chino Hills. He didn't get the McDonald's All-American um, nomination. It actually, a guy who came in with him that was maybe a little more, uh, or a little higher in the rankings and a little more talk about was Isaiah Mobley, whose brother Evan is one of the top players in uh, this upcoming high school class. Headed to um, USC. Headed to USC as well. Their father is an assistant coach there. But um, oh, funny how that is. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> with Onyeka, you know, you have all these guys this year and they're, you just want as few variables as possible, like unknown variables as possible. And Onyeka like just ticks so many boxes because you know what he's going to bring. You know that he's going to, you know, he's a really smart defender. He'll protect the rim. He's great around the basket and he's super explosive. And he, he moves his feet well. So he has versatility as a defender. He didn't shoot terribly from the free throw line. So these are all things that definitely worked in his favor to move him up draft boards. And, you know, I, I think 
most people are I don't even know if there was like a major site that really had him like as a one and done or like as like a potential lottery pick before the year. There were some people that did, but now he's like absolutely a top 10, possibly even top five pick. He's grown by leaps and bounds. I did get a chance to see him in Pac-12 action, even against your Ducks. And he has performed very well. Uh, he, he's someone that we've talked about as not having the the, the highest of ceilings, but he's going to reach that max more likely than many of these players because the drive and the motor that he has. Because yeah, you know, if you can describe what what this is, I, I think it's pretty apparent to see. But you know, when you have a high motor, you're going to try and get the maximum out of whatever abilities that you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he plays with great energy. I was at the game he played against Oregon, and for whatever reason, they weren't getting him the ball near the end of the game. Uh, and Oregon ended up winning that game in overtime. But he was an absolute force and uh, had some dominant stretches over that game. You know, great possibility is like a lob finisher. And then just he moves really, really well. And Oregon had trouble with a lot of big men this year, and he was definitely one of them. He seems to be like the player that may not be ranting off the floor quite as bit. Once he gets his feet yeah. wet, that experience in the NBA, because like you said, he moves his feet on defense. He has the ability to small uh, to guard smaller players and larger players because of his size and be able to stay on the floor in a defensive fashion. So he may be on the floor at the crucial times that you need him, as opposed to a big who you know, at the first side of a three-guard setup has to go on the bench because he just can't guard anyone. Yeah, I, I very much agree with that. Like, that that's, I think, what makes him such an enticing prospect as a center would be his ability to possibly, you know, guard multiple positions once you get to the playoffs and not have to be just taken completely out of the equation against a small ball team. So we've talked about a player that can rise up and that has risen up in a lot of people's mock drafts. But there's always got to be one that falls. Is there anybody right now that maybe, and this could change. People can see different things in this person. But as of right now, as we're talking, is there anybody that might have fallen a little bit in the eyes of uh, scouts and NBA personnel and draft experts such as yourself? That for right now, I mean, like I said, there, this could, there's still a long way to go, yeah. but for right now is maybe on the outside looking in as far as a little bit down on, on what they were once before. I'll, I'll talk about two guys and they both went to the same school. <laughs> and I, I feel like Jane McDaniels and Isaiah Stewart both had some rough spots this year. I have um, a feeling you would say that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so Washington was... I just thought they were a really talented team who were very tough to watch. And I, I thought Isaiah actually played really well. And, you know, I, I was at the game they played against Gonzaga and, and uh, the game against Oregon. And Isaiah played well in, in both of those. Against Oregon, he played really well for the most part and then just kind of faded off near the end. But he certainly stacked the, the box score. I think he was number two in the... RSCI, like final rankings, which is just a combination of a bunch of high school rankings. And always in a player that I like, he was one of my favorite guys in this high school class. I, I just loved his energy. 
seven four wingspan, but people are just concerned kind of about his where you're saying that Onyeka has the ability to guard multiple positions. Isaiah is just kind of like a big man guarding a five and is a little undersized uh, by NBA proportions. Doesn't move his feet extraordinarily well, very low steal rate and kind of has problems with lift. So he's not like a great shot blocking threat as well. So yeah, those have just been like, whereas uh, I remember uh, Raphael when he he took him, which I, like I think Isaiah is, well, he's going to be drafted just based on everything that happened before and based on like the fact that he did stuff the stat sheet. But there are like absolute concerns about his ability to defend in the NBA. And then he's so, well, I think part of it was the way Washington played him, but he was really post-reliant and he did well in the post. But that's just not the way the current NBA is set up. And then you wonder if, you know, going up against bigger players, if he'll have that same efficiency. But I think he, he's tough and he has, like, you know, amazing strength regardless. You just kind of wonder if he can keep up with that pace. In the term of Jane McDaniels, it's probably like the opposite, where he has some defensive acumen. He has flashes of, you know, some ball handling every once in a while, like, you know, string a few shots together, even make a few shots off the bounce. It definitely takes a lot of them. But I think he has issues with using his functional strength. He just, when you see him in person, like, he has a very narrow frame. And then there, there were just all these times where he just kind of floated through games. It seemed like he was kind of in the doghouse near the end of the year, was getting a lot less playing time. So, you know, concerns as far as that. And then uh, just in terms of efficiency, like, you know, shot selection definitely was very troublesome at times. Then in terms of effort on, on defense, like you like the way that he moves his feet and he, like he has potential there. So th that's probably why he's going to go higher than Isaiah in the actual draft. But yeah, there, there are certainly some concerns as far as like, you know, if he's going to put it all together. And those are two guys, I think, who were considered like lottery picks by almost every major site going into the year and now are likely like, you know, mid to late first rounders. Well, in the case of Isaiah Stewart, he fell down to the second round, I believe. Yeah. And, the yeah. Yeah. and uh, as, as Rafael Barlow said at the time when he drafted, he's a, he almost, he, I'm paraphrasing him, but he, it's like a relic of a, decade gone by like if this was 2004 he would be right there in the top three but this is 2020 so he falls quite a bit further than that yeah yeah it, just because you're worried about um his ability to defend at the nba level absolutely and that's what it's all about right now it's, it's just so yeah. funny how the league has changed and evolved and players we were once looking at in awe are now like Ah, oh, yuck. <laughs> well, and also, like, I think it's just analytics as well because yeah. you see his like uh, counting stats look really good, but then you look a little bit further and you see some potential issues there. Absolutely, it's all about the analytics these days, the data, 
Uh, I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but uh, you know, the numbers don't lie. It's a part of it. Not the whole story, but they certainly don't lie. And then Washington was like a straight up bad team. And you had these two guys who are like probable first round picks or at least like NBA level players. And like, obviously there were issues beyond just uh, Isaiah and Jaden, but yeah, they had a, they started off the season with a win over one of the best teams in the NCAA where it, it was the first game. Crazy things are going to happen. I heard like possible jet lag from Baylor as well, but certainly were a bit of a disappointing team. And then, you know, you have like, uh, I, I don't know, I guess it's rough to bring this up because so many other things happen, but like a guy like Markel Fultz, yeah. when the Huskies only won six games the entire year, still he was putting up like even his analytics and everything there, like in his ability to shoot pull-ups, all that stuff looked great. But the people that were maybe like a little bit concerned about how that would translate to the NBA it doesn't completely explain everything that happened with him, but it at least brings up the possible concern. I don't know if we can 100% explain what happened to Markel Fultz. Uh, yeah. His shot, his shoulder, the whole mm-hmm. hiding behind, you know, the, the whole 76ers, you know, not commenting. And then he goes to Orlando. You don't hear the whole story. And it's like, uh, you know. I what? still root for him. I still root for him. I, and I, I think he has a chance to still be like a good NBA player, but yeah, it just seems like him being the first pick uh, was at, at this point, there are definitely guys you rather would have had at that pick. Absolutely. I agree with you. And I hope uh, for him too. I wish for him too some, some of the best. I, I just think that any chance of him becoming, uh, you know, or fulfilling that number one prophecy or that level uh, of proficiency uh, is gone after so many years of, of bad development and hearing from the wrong people or the wrong size or whether it's your team or the actual NBA team, uh, whatever advice they're feeding him, what happened. I mean, I'm not, I don't think we're ever going to get the clear answer on what went wrong with Markel Fultz, but it, it did set him back quite a bit. And you're right, he's finally getting into the point where he can play effective in the NBA. We're hoping that it gets to the point where he can become a good point guard in the NBA, but I don't know. We'll have to see. It's still kind of iffy at this point in time. He is getting the starting nod as the season came to a crashing end. He was the starting point guard for Orlando, so he at least he's going to get the opportunity at best. And then, you know, eventually maybe you can see him being like a really good role guy somewhere yeah. as well. So, yeah. A lot of it is about I was just thinking today, like if Oscar Robertson and Jerry West had their team built like Magic Johnson and Larry Bird had early in their career, like maybe we'd be thinking about them a little bit differently. Because right now both of them are like pretty much consistently at least left out of the top 10 players of all time. Whereas, you know, you you can't really take away what Magic, Larry, and Michael did. But with the – Jerry West and Oscar Robertson, they just have like the one championship year for both of them. And uh, they're still considered like greats, but maybe not like that same level. You take away some of the players, maybe uh, maybe one or two players on Boston Celtics. Put yeah, them on give them to the Lakers. Yeah, that could have made all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you never know. But 
I, I still think the logo is still a great player. Oscar Robertson, just, just truly a tremendous player. I, I agree with you. Uh, it's, it's sad that they're not thought of in that context because we're seeing all these debates right now with Jordan versus the entire world when it comes to after what happened with the last dance, you know, okay, is he better than uh, Shaq? Is he better than Kobe? Is he better than this? Or is he better than that? Who's better than Jordan? You know, you're hearing all that debate come up right now and it's, and you're not even hearing a whisper out of, of uh, you know, Oscar Robertson or Jerry West, which is kind of sad because they truly made their mark in the NBA, but yeah, they ended up not winning the titles because like you said, they were in the middle of a Boston dynasty at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. And it comes, like, it comes down to you. when we're looking at players for the draft, we want the guy that is going to help them win as many games as possible. And that's what it comes down to. That, that's what in, analytics is trying to you know, get to the bottom of, is trying to make a winning team. And that's what it's all about. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Uh, it's just awesome to talk to you as always. I learned so much more when I'm, I'm speaking to you, the Barlows uh, at Stonehands, and just get so much more educated on the NBA draft and, and the process in it of itself. Uh, it is Michael Weisenberg. You got to go ahead and check him out today at the Step In, his work there, Perspective Insight, which is more geared towards the professionals and things of that nature. But they, they sometimes show videos on there that he works on. And also, he is a mad retwitter. So you got to go ahead and ca- follow him on Twitter at NBA Draft Mikey B because he retweets and also tweets himself some great stuff on the NBA draft. And if you are an NBA draft, I will pardon the you know phrase, the, the Barlows, but the if you're an NBA draft junkie, that is the place to follow right there for you. I mean, because you gain so much more access on what people are talking about when it comes to the NBA draft by just following Mike at uh, NBA draft, Mikey B. So uh, I tell you what, it's just, you know, just learning your Twitter handle and seeing the things that you see on a daily basis is truly inspirational for, for NBA draft followers like me. Thanks so much. And thanks so much for having me on. It's always great chatting with you. You have some great insight as well and some really good questions. And uh, yeah, certainly the only thing certain at this time is the amount of uncertainty. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see uh, how the draft ends up uh, stacking up. But um, yeah, it's going to be a, a wild ride up until uh, whenever we have the draft at this point, which is uh, something that we're not used to saying. Yeah, but we're hearing the whispers now. This yeah. time uh, last month, we were not hearing the any whispers on anything. So much uncertainty. Now we're hearing more whispers about when, not yeah. if. Uh, it looks like it's going to be more of a reality. We're seeing more sports leagues. We're seeing NASCAR already saying, hey, we're going to do a schedule. We're seeing more sports. Hey, we're going to do a schedule. We're going to put that out there. So I think it's uh, not a question of if, but when we're going to be seeing the NBA you know, to come back as far as finishing off whatever season's left, taking care of the playoffs, 
and then going into one of the best parts of the NBA calendar, rubbing my hands. When I say this, the NBA draft. I mean, when you when you watch the NBA draft, it's, is that almost like your Christmas? It is. It's a wonderful day. Uh, <laughs> I, I love the draft. I just I I love the whole process of it. And then um, actually seeing what happens, like, you know, yeah, then you, you have a, a whole new uh, cycle and a, a whole uh, year of following these guys to see what happens once they make it to the NBA. One of these days, my friend, one of these days, I'm going to ask uh, you, the Barlows, and also as well, Stone Hansen, you know, down the road, obviously, when, when things get better and coronavirus is, is something in the past, to come down to a Las Vegas casino. <laughs> to the Mirage, uh, or you know any other casino, and watch the draft there, and listen to all the fans. Because I've been through a couple drafts. You know, I, I've seen I've seen all the drafts at home, but I've been I've been to a couple in the casinos, and to me, that's an experience unlike I've ever seen. Yeah. It's almost like well, it's it's actually better to me than going to the actual NBA draft itself in New Jersey, because yeah, you get the sprinkle of fans over there, but they're not as vocal unless they're Brooklyn or New York or whatnot here in Las Vegas, it's all they're They're from all over and they will just shout and curse and get mad and get angry and get happy. And they'll high five. And the whole gambit of emotion is great to see. I'll see popcorn flying and beers just like going all over the place. If somebody gets drafted that they don't want and poor Zingas. I remember the, I was there for Zingas draft. Oh my gosh, the New York Knicks fans. Do you think the New York Knicks fans were upset MSG when they did it? They were mad as heck in, in the Mirage. You know, people were just like, who the blankety blank is think is? You know, oh my gosh. It's just, <laughs> that was exactly. what it was. It's so funny. Because yeah. yeah, you get these people that, you know, um that, I, I had this video uh, when I was growing up and it was uh, Dan Marley when he was drafted by Cleveland and people were, were booing him like, who the hell is this guy? Everything. And the GM at the time was just like, you're going to be sorry that you booed him. He's a good player. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, that does sound like a blast though. It, it, it is. One of these days I, I, I got a suggested to you because it's a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> Just like I said, it's just because you get to see it on all the big screens there and, and you just see the reactions and it's just, it's incredible to see. So only in Vegas, that's all I can say. Only yes, Vegas. indeed. I'll tell you what, Michael, it's just been great talking to you. I cannot thank you enough for spending some more time with me. I'm looking forward to more conversations with you as it gets closer to a possible solidification of the NBA draft date, which is now looking more and more like sometime in August or September, which is good because you have certain times now that are being talked about, which means that we could be getting closer to an NBA season, which could mean we could be getting closer to an NBA draft, which is for you and I, just a truly great experience every year. And again, I just appreciate all your insight right here at the Lakers Fast Break.